blessings and grace. Welcome everyone to non-Sunday school. I hope you enjoyed that worship song. I do not own the rights to that music. Um, that The name of that song is Jealous God. And the name of the group singing it is MC Worship Collective. Um, and I thought that song was very befitting for the lesson that we're teaching on tonight um, concerning Yahweh Kana the God whose name is Jealous. So Yahweh Kana is the Jealous God. So those of you who are listening live on my website, welcome. Um, Non-Sunday School is an interactive uh, Bible study um, where it's kind of laid back. So I teach first and then once I teach, um, I allow you to come in and ask questions or give feedback concerning what you heard. Um, so you can't do that from my website. So if you want to interact and participate on tonight, then make sure you download the Podbean app and join me through the Podbean app. So that way, once I'm done teaching, I'll be able to invite you up to the stage to um, ask any questions that you may have about the lesson. Also on tonight, once we're done teaching and asking questions, the Lord has put it on my heart for us to partake in Holy Communion on tonight. So um, just prepare yourself accordingly. Um, if you don't have um, bread and grape juice or wine, red wine, then just get what you have, some water and just a piece of bread or a cracker or something, and we'll bless it, and the Lord will take that as if it was you know, um, official sacraments. Um, so we are going to go ahead and get started. We have a lot to go over on tonight. As you know, in Nun Sunday School, we go through a lot of scripture in here, but we're definitely going to be going through a lot of scripture on tonight. Um, so again, on tonight, we're talking, the name of the lesson is God, whose name is Jealous, Yahweh Kana. Okay, so God dropped it on my heart to teach this lesson after a recent conversation that I was a part of. Um, during this conversation, I spoke concerning pastors and ministry leaders who were trying to cast out spirits and work miracles in the name of Jesus while being in idolatry and allied with the false god of a Greek organization or secret society. Um, so I warn leaders, as I've done so many times before, letting them know that they weren't working miracles by the hand of God, Yahweh Elohim, and that they had actually been operating under the false powers of a false god. That's when you're in a Greek organization or secret society or if you're allied with a false god. Um, I've said it many times before, flesh and blood did not reveal it to me. God himself revealed it to me that if you were trying to work miracles and you were allied with a false god, you were doing it under a false god or under the false powers of a false god. So therefore, all the, um, and I'm putting in air quotes, miracles, all the miracles that they believe they saw in ministry up until they renounced their idolatry were false miracles, false signs, and false wonders that only caused more spiritual damage to the people they were praying for. And of course, there was resistance to what I said. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, a stranger to resistance. I'm used to getting pushback on the things that God reveals to me. So of course there was resistance to what I said. Nobody wants to believe um, that 
if they're in ministry and they're working miracles, especially if they have a church, nobody wants to believe that what they've been doing all this time until they renounce was false miracles because then you got the ego involved. But I myself, I started answering my ministry call in 2003, started ministry in 2006, but I myself had to go back and repent and, and pray for the people that I laid hands on and ministered to when I was allied with the false God because God revealed to me the things that I did and the things that I transferred thinking that I was working miracles in the name of Jesus, but it was a false God. So I had to humble myself. I had to humble myself. But like I said, after that conversation ended recently, my spirit was very vexed and it was a holy vexation because there was another question also um, that was asked concerning whether or not a believer should attend the church where the ministry leader is in idolatry, um, just to say that they attend the church. And although my response was biblical, there were other ministry leaders who gave blurred responses to that question. And when those blurred responses came forward, a righteous anger rose up in me and it led me to pray and seek Holy Spirit concerning what I was feeling. And God revealed that I was feeling what he felt. I'm prophetic. So prophets feel different things than pastors a lot of times because we're connected in a different way to God. It doesn't mean that we're any more special than a pastor, but the way that we hear God and the things that we discern, it's different oftentimes from what a pastor is feeling. So when I was feeling vexed about some of the answers that were going forth, God revealed that I was feeling what he felt and I was discerning his heart concerning the matter. And then he said, my people don't know how jealous I am for them, tell them. So he said, my people don't know how jealous I am for them, tell them. And so I'm here tonight to do just that. I'm here tonight to do just that. We're talking about Yahweh, kind of God whose name is jealous. So I had a little chuckle talking to God some months ago. I told him, God, you're really that jealous lover. And I love it. So I've been with someone jealous before and it's a miserable feeling. Um, but with you, Father, I was like, it's a great feeling. I enjoy checking in with you concerning every area of my life. So with God and some of you listening to the live or the replay, you know this. It's like when you really have that intimate relationship with God, or at least it's how he does me. It's like he wants to know where I've been, where you been. I ain't talked to you in a, in a, in a few hours. I ain't talked to you in a couple of days. Where you been, Faiza? <laughs> he wants to know where you been. He wants to know where I'm going who I'm planning on hanging out with and when I'm coming back. Sounds like a jealous lover, right? So I don't know if any of you have ever been with anybody jealous, but that's what a jealous lover does. They keep tabs on you. They want to know who you're hanging out with, where you been, where you going, what time you coming back. And if he doesn't like it, talking about God, if God doesn't like it, he'll say, I don't want you hanging around with them. I don't want you hanging with them. I don't want you going there. And I need you back in the house by 10 so we can commune together. <laughs> so, so that's just me and my relationship with God. But like a jealous lover, you know, if somebody's jealous and you're with somebody's jealous, they'll be like, I don't want you hanging with her. I don't want you hanging with him. And I don't want you going over to their house. I don't want you doing that. No, I need you to be back at the house by 11. <laughs> so I'm not condoning and jealous. I mean, actually being in the relationship with somebody who's jealous it's a miserable feeling. So it's good when God is the one who's jealous. 
it's not so great not so great when you're in a physical relationship with somebody who's jealous but i had to give that example so god is that jealous lover he's that jealous lover he wants total control over every single area of your life but he doesn't force it he doesn't force it so there is a saying that you should let a person, or I think this is how the saying goes, you should let a person do what they want to do so you can see what they desire to do or something like that. So it's like sometimes you just let a person go on. Don't tell them, like, um, you may ask them a question or whatever, or you may want them to do something, but you don't tell them you want them to do it. You want them to like discern that you want them to do it. So sometimes you don't tell them what you want them to do. Let them do what they want to do so you can see what's in their heart, you know? So anyway, like if, you, if, 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 if somebody asks you if you want a birthday gift, right? And deep down inside, you want a birthday gift, but you're not really stressing or telling somebody that you want a birthday gift because you want to see if they're going to get it for you anyway because you want to see if they love you that much. That's what I'm saying. So it's like you don't tell a person what you want them to do. You let them do what they desire to do, to do because their actions will reveal their desires. So nothing that we do surprises God. So it's not that God doesn't know what our actions and our desires will be. He knows. He's just trying to get you or us to look within and see those actions and desires for ourselves, but through his eyes. So God says, I'm not forcing you to be with me. I'm just trying to see if you want to be with me. And although I could make you be with me because I am God, our union is so much sweeter when you're with me because you desire me. So I'm speaking prophetically right there as God is speaking to you. I'm not forcing you to be with me. I'm just trying to see if you want to be with me. And although I could make you be with me because I am God, our union is so much sweeter when you're with me because you desire me. So God wants us to desire him. What's so amazing about that Every time I think about it, what's so amazing about that is that the God over all of creation and over all of the universe, he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. Yet with all of his power, he chooses to be vulnerable enough to show us how much he wants to be wanted by us. I mean, think about that. The God over the whole universe, the God over all creation, the God who made you who's giving you life, who can take your life if he wanted to in the in the blink of an eye. He's so powerful, but yet he has these feelings where I want you to want me. And if you don't want me, it hurts me. That that that's powerful. That's really powerful. So vulnerability is giving someone the power to hurt you, but trusting them not to do it. So you mean we can hurt God, Faiza? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes, we can hurt God. We can hurt his heart. We can hurt his heart. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. And if you don't have a Bible, um, go to BibleGateway.com so you can read along with the scriptures as I'm going through the scriptures on tonight. Um, I always tell you, you never take my word for what's in the Bible. You never take anybody else's word for what's in the Bible. You make sure you read along for yourself so you can see that this is really in there. So back to what I was saying. Can we hurt God? Yes, we can hurt God. We can hurt his heart. But Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, 
and sometimes I read from King James, sometimes I read from NASB version, just so you know, if you see something and it doesn't say exactly what I'm saying, it's because I'm reading from a different version. But Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that conviction. I was in such a rush to get on the class tonight that I forgot to pray. And we do not start or do anything without Holy Spirit. So right now we're going to stop and we're going to back up, rewind. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I first of all ask your forgiveness for even starting this lesson without surrendering this room to you and surrendering this atmosphere to you. So right now, I ask your forgiveness for grieving you, letting me know that I did grieve you just now by not doing that, by not inviting you into the atmosphere. So thank you for forgiving me for that Holy Spirit. And right now, I humble myself in your presence. I ask you to come in and take over this room, saturate this atmosphere, saturate every atmosphere where anybody may be listening whether it's on the live or whether it's on the replay we need you holy spirit i cannot teach without you i need your anointing i need your power to rest on every word that i'm speaking on tonight i need your fire to be on every word that i'm speaking on tonight for it's your anointing holy spirit that's going to break yokes and convict the hearts of god's people about just how jealous he is for them so Holy Spirit, again, I thank you. Thank you for taking over this room. I step down, you step up, Holy Spirit. This room belongs to you. This room belongs to you. It always has and it always will. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I submit to you, Holy Spirit. Take over in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, thank you. So back to what I was saying. So we can hurt um, we can grieve Holy Spirit. We can grieve God's heart. We can hurt God's heart. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The word grieve is actually the Greek word lupeo. It means, L it's L-U-P-E-O. And it means to cause pain, to cause sorrow, to cause grieving or to vex. Okay. So when you're causing pain to somebody, that's hurting somebody. When you're causing sorrow to somebody, that's hurting somebody. When it's causing grieving, that's hurting somebody. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, dealt with grief or maybe losing a loved one or dealing with a loved one passing or maybe grieving over a relationship, but that hurts your heart when that happens. So those same feelings are the same feelings that God has when we make him jealous. It hurts his heart. So let's look at what it means to be jealous. First, um, I got to say that envy and jealousy are two different things. So envy is when you want what someone else has. Jealousy is when you are concerned that what you have or desire stands a chance of being taken by someone else. So I truly in my heart of hearts believe that one of the reasons God allows us to experience the emotion of jealousy is so that we can know what it feels like for him to be jealous for us. All right, so a lot of the emotions that we have, such as anger, for example, is not that we're supposed to be angry, it's but God wants us to know what anger feels like so we know how he feels when he's angry. Except he, when he feels it, it's like 
magnified. Like we couldn't deal with his level of anger. We couldn't deal with his level of jealousy. So we can feel what jealousy feels like, but we can't deal with how it really feels to him when he's jealous for us. I mean, that level of jealousy would break us to feel how God feels for us. But at least you get a little taste of, or, you know, experience of what it feels like to be jealous. So God allows us to experience the emotions so we can know what it feels like for him to be jealous for us or over us. So some of you right now, you're jealous because someone you're in a relationship with or someone who isn't giving you the attention um, and or the affection you desire. You're mad at the person, but God is saying to you, don't be mad at them. I'm allowing you to feel what I feel for you. Okay, only my jealousy is magnified so much that no human could bear it. So that's God speaking to you through me. I'm just an amplifier in the earth for his voice. So God is saying to you, don't be mad at them. I'm allowing you to feel what I feel for you. Only my jealousy is magnified so much that no human could bear it. So instead of you being jealous, the fix is for you to run into uh so instead of you being jealous, the fix is for you to run into it being divinely resolved, all right? So God is jealous. His name is jealous. We're talking about Yahweh Kana on tonight, the God whose name is jealous. So the Lord says prophetically to you, I wear jealousy like a cloak. It is my character. It is who I am. So God is a jealous God. He wears that jealousy like a cloak is who he is is who he's always been he does not change he is the same yesterday today and forever so some of these scriptures that we're about to go through on tonight showing you just how jealous god is for us even though a lot of these things happen in the bible it still applies to today so he is still jealous for us all right so in the natural realm when you know you're with someone jealous you act accordingly. Mm -hmm. In the spirit realm with God, you don't act accordingly, you move accordingly. Why? It's because God is not looking for actors. He doesn't want actors. He wants you to know that he's jealous for you. And once you know that he's jealous for you, he wants to, you to move accordingly. In other words, he wants you to no longer do those things that make him jealous. So the first mention of Yahweh Kana in the Bible is Exodus chapter 20, verse five, where God has given the 10 commandments to Moses to give to the children of Israel. His name also appears again in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 24, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. So we're gonna get to Deuteronomy four in just a few minutes, but first let's take a look at Exodus. And again, we're going to go through a lot of scripture on tonight. I have to give it to you because Holy Spirit said give it to you. That way you cannot say that you don't know that these things are in the Bible. God wants you to know on tonight exactly how jealous he is for you and what happens when he is jealous for you and we cause him, we provoke him to jealousy. All right. So let's look first at Exodus chapter 20 verses one through six and it says and god spake all these words saying i am the lord thy god which have brought thee out of the land of egypt out of the house of bondage 
thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is the very first commandment that God gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. That name is Yahweh Kana. And also backing up where it says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That before is actually the Hebrew word panayim. It's P-A-N-I-Y-M. And it means in my face or in my presence. So God is saying, do not bring another God in my face. Do not bring another God in my presence. He wants you to have nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing to do with any other. And I have to say false gods because they're false gods. It's only one God. It's only one God, one true God, and his name is Yahweh. All right. So any other gods we're talking about is gods with a little g because they're not the real thing. But even though they're not the real thing and they're with a little g, it still makes God jealous when we go to them as if they are the real thing. When we put our faith and our trust and uh, make allegiances and pledges and vows to serve and worship these false little gods. Okay? So God is saying, don't bring them in my face. Don't have them in my presence. I am your God. I am your only God. I am the God. All right? So moving on. Um, verse 5, it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Perf I was just saying a few minutes ago how God is like that jealous lover. You know, you have to check in with him on everything and if it if he's jealous it's like you want to do what it's going to take to not make him jealous but i shared on social media today i went to walmart i was looking for some um timberland some timberland boots to you know for work and i couldn't find the timberlands but i found a pair that was comparable to timberlands and would you know do do what i needed them to do you know for my job um, but anyway, the name that was on the box was Brahma. I think that was it. B-R-A-H-M-A. But anyway, when I was in the store, I had a check in my spirit, but I, I ignored it. I shouldn't have ignored it. But I had a check in my spirit that something was wrong with the name. Um, but anyway, I ignored it. I went ahead and bought the shoes. I brought them home. And once I brought them home, um, Holy Spirit had me go to Google and look up the name Brahma. And it turns out Brahma was this Hindu God. I mean, there was a picture of it and everything. And so anyway, because God is jealous for me and does not want me to have any association or connection or anything with any other false God, I knew, <laughs> I knew I could not, would not, should not put those shoes with the false God's name on my feet. So what did I do? I took the shoes back to the store and got my money back because God is a jealous God and I do not want to make him jealous. All right. So you do not want to hurt God's heart. You do not want to make him jealous. You don't want to have anything to do 
with any false gods or idols, okay? And some people may say, well, Faiza, these are uh, Greek gods. They're mythological. They're not real. You can't tell God that they're not real. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a scripture in just a moment where he says, you've made me jealous with a God that's not even a God. So God already knows that they're not real, but don't tell him when he's telling you that he's jealous for you, don't tell him that they're not real. His concern is that you are having an, an, an allegiance or an affiliation with that false God. That's why it's called false God, <laughs> false God, strange God. So God knows that they're not real, but even if it's false, he still does not want you to have any connection or affiliation with it whatsoever. And since I'm talking about the false gods, if you're a member of a Greek organization or a secret society, every single one of those organizations are allied and pledged to a false god. So if you're Greek, if you're a member of the D9, Alpha Kappa Alpha, Alpha Phi Alpha, um, Phi Beta, um, let's, so I don't forget any of them, Omega Psi Phi, Delta Sigma Theta, Kappa Alpha Psi, um, Sigma Gamma Rho, Phi Beta Sigma, Zeta Phi Beta, Iota Phi Theta, Masons, Freemasons, Eastern Stars, um, any, any, any of those organizations or secret societies all of them are allied with the false god. So if that's you, I pray right now that once we get done with this lesson, that you will let Holy Spirit lead you to my website. Listen to the replay section on Holy Smoke. I got Holy Smoke part four, part five, part six, and part seven on my website where I'm speaking to you concerning these organizations, those false gods, and what God has to say about it. Okay, so if that's you, I'm letting you know right now that that's a false God that you're allied with. And that clenching feeling that you feel in your jaw right now, as I'm telling you this, that's that strong man of deception rising up in you to try to guard his territory, which he thinks is you. So the reason you're feeling some kind of way about what I'm saying right now is because the adversary, which is the devil, does not want you to be free from that false God so that you can worship the one true God, Yahweh Elohim. I don't care about you getting mad at me. I'm going to tell you what God said. And then so your blood is not on my hands. But I know otherwise Holy Spirit will not be saying this on tonight because I've already taught on this through other classes but i know that somebody on the live or somebody on the replay is allied with the secret society of false god and i'm saying to you what god is saying to you on tonight and it's to turn from your strange gods turn from your false gods repent and come back to me repent and come back to me that's the word of the lord for you repent and come back to me i am your god says the lord and i'm a jealous god all right amen okay holy spirit i released it you do the convicting as you always do that's your assignment not mine so thank you holy spirit all right moving on exodus chapter 34 verses 10 through 17 again if you just joined the live we're talking about god whose name is jealous yahweh kana on tonight exodus chapter 34 verses 10 through 17 this is from the NASB version. And this is God speaking to Moses after giving him the Ten Commandments the second time. <clears throat> then God said, Behold, I am going to make a covenant. Before all your people, I will perform miracles which have not been produced in all the earth, 
nor among any of the nations and all the people and all the people among whom you live will see the working of the Lord or it is a fearful thing that I am going to perform with you be sure to comply with what I am commanding you this day behold I am going to drive out the Amorite from you and the Canaanite the Hittite the Perizzite the Hivite and the Jebusite be careful that you do not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going or it will be a snare in your midst but rather you are to tear down their altars and smash their memorial stones and cut down their asherim that's their symbols for you shall not worship any other god because the lord whose name is jealous that's another time we're showing Yahweh Kana. The Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Otherwise, you might, and I want you to pay attention to the word might here. It says, otherwise you might make covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they would prostitute themselves with their gods and sacrifice to their gods and someone might invite you to eat of his sacrifice and you might take some of his daughters for your sons and his daughters might prostitute themselves with their gods and cause your sons also to prostitute themselves with their gods you shall not make for yourself any gods cast in metal so the reason i'm saying emphasizing the word might there is because a lot of times we get into things and we think oh i can handle it or you know, we link up with somebody. We know that they're serving false gods. We know that they're in idolatry and all these other things, but we think in our flesh that we can handle it. Okay, so God is saying right there, you might. Okay, I know you think you can handle it, but there is a strong possibility and a very, 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 very strong possibility that this might happen. That they might, you might make a covenant with them. And if you might make a covenant with them and you make that covenant with them, it's going to pull you away from me. It's going to separate you from me. So I don't even want the chance of it happening. So don't go around them. Do not make covenant with them. Do not hang with them. Do not be affiliated with them because you might. Okay. So God doesn't, don't even, don't even want you to take that chance. All right. God is your creator. He knows you. He knows what the flesh is capable of. So a lot of times uh, people go around other individuals and they think I'm strong enough to change them. For example, you know me, I renounce AKA. I can still hang around some of my former line sisters thinking that I'm strong enough to change them. But my Bible tells me not to make covenant with them, not to be hanging out with them and all those things because they might cause me to you know go back and do some of those things are idolatrous so i'm not taking that chance on making god jealous when he says cut it off you completely cut it off okay all right so you don't take that chance all right and remember i said jealousy is when you are concerned that what you have might be taken away by another all right, so that just explains it again right there, verses 15 through 16, where the might was used four times. So God's concern is that you might do those things. And he knows that if you do those things, he has to honor his word that discloses what will happen if you breach his covenant. 
So if you do those things, then God has to do what he said he's going to do if you do those things. God is a covenant God. He is a God of his word. He is jealous because he loves you and does not want you to be separated from him due to a breach you ignorantly or knowingly cause. Okay? So moving on. If you hear that noise in the background, it's just a semi-tractor. So it is good. All right, moving on. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 40. And I told you we're going through a lot of scripture on tonight. I make no apologies for it. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 40. It says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that follow Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land where ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. And the soul, that's the mind, the will, and the emotions. So Moses is telling the children of Israel, he's telling them, look, take heed, like keep your mind, your will, and your emotions diligently. Like you can't accidentally, you can't be lackadaisical about it. You gotta diligently keep your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. So it's like, remember what God has done. Some of you, God has brought you through a lot of things. And it's a lot of people in the world right now. God has brought them through a lot of things. And after God brought them through those things, they turned their back on God and went and got into things that are of idolatry because they, for whatever reason, either they, either they were lured into it or, um, ignorantly or they was lured into it knowingly. And so anyway, God is saying, I mean, not God is saying, but Moses is saying, take heed to yourself. Don't fall away. Don't fall away from God. Don't forget the things that he's done for you. Don't forget the things that he's brought you through. But not only for you, but also teach these things to your sons and thy son's sons. Or in other words, your children. So it's not just for you to know what God has done for you so that you don't, quote unquote, cheat on God or be unfaithful or have infidelity towards God, but teach your children as well so that they are faithful to God, so that your children are not making God jealous. 
All right, verse 10. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that ye might do them in the land, whether ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Oreb out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure. He's, so basically he's telling them how not to make God jealous. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl, or which is a bird that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, and let, oh, that's for all of you Starbucks drinkers, by the way, who Starbucks, their logo is a marine spirit. It's a siren spirit. It's a mermaid spirit. But anyway, I digress. I digress on that. I'm not going to get into that on tonight, but you might want to research Starbucks. All right. Verse 18, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, and lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them. You got some people today, they're out there worshiping the moon, worshiping the stars. They're into astro astrology, which is basically also worshiping the stars. Astrology, horoscopes, they're, um, what, it, what do you call it, birth signs. They're identifying with the astrological birth sign. All of this is worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars instead of worshiping God. So they're being warned not to do these things because these things make God jealous, okay? So yeah, some people actually worship those things to the point where they have to get up every morning and read their horoscope. They don't pray, but they're gonna get up and read that horoscope. That makes God jealous because you're serving a false God and you're in idolatry when you do those things. All right, so verse 20. Um, but the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt. And we all know from previous teachings that Egypt is just basically symbolic. Bringing it, I like to bring the Bible from Bible times into modern times. So that way you can relate to it. So even though he's talking to the children of Israel and he's telling them how God has did these things, bringing them up out of Egypt, your Egypt is whatever God has brought you out of. So, God has brought you out of Egypt as well. And whatever Egypt he's brought you out of, he wants to be your God, just like he wanted to be the God for the children of Israel. Yahweh, he wants you to serve him and him alone. I can't, 
even I would have to look it up on Bible Gateway, but it seems like every other verse or every other 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 verse in the Old Testament, God is saying over and over to the children of Israel, I am the Lord your God. Then you will know I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. So it's like he wants to be your God and he gets very jealous when we don't make him, you know, our Lord and our God. And again, I said in the beginning, it's just so powerful that as God as God is and as big as he is and as powerful as he is, he lets us know how it hurts him when we don't make him our Lord and our God. So he's drilling it in like, I want to be your Lord. I'll make me your Lord. Make me your Lord. Make me your God. Your only God. He's jealous. Again, we're talking about Yahweh Kana, the God whose name is jealous. All right. So going back to Egypt. Oh, I talked about that. Verse 21. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me. And again, this is Moses speaking. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swear that I should not go over Jordan and that I should not go in unto that good land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves. So he keeps warning them like I'm warning you and I'm warning others. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And there his name is again as Yahweh Kana right there. Jealous God, that's Yahweh Kana. Verse 25, when thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong, prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. So he's telling them what's going to happen to them if they forsake the Lord and make him jealous with other gods, a strange God. So he's telling them that if you do that, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to shorten your days. All right. Verse 27. And, the, and remember, God doesn't change. So even though this is talking about the children of Israel, it's also talking about you. Okay. You do not want to make God jealous. That that making God jealous results in your own destruction. Verse 28. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. So basically it's saying if you go and you make God jealous and you choose other gods, you're going to serve those false gods that you chose over the real, the one true God. All right. So verse 29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. God loves to play hide and seek. He loves to hide. A lot of times people don't have relationships with God because they're not willing to do the seeking. That's why you got people that's into witchcraft and sage and crystals and chakras and 
all this other things and yoga, meditation, all these other things. Cause they got all, they don't want to seek the real true God. They want this easy thing where they feel like they can come into their own enlightenment or they can come up higher on their own. So instead of seeking the real God, they're trying to create their own God. They, it's like build a God. <laughs> it's basically what it is. It's like, I'm not going to put in the effort to seek the one. Cause one, we can't come into God. We can't come into God's presence any old kind of way because he's a holy God. One thing that will stop us from coming to God's presence is holding unforgiveness in our hearts. So people can pray to God. They're not getting answers. They're not getting results. They're not getting closer with God, not knowing that the reason that they're not coming into his presence is because they got all this unforgiveness and bitterness and strife and jealousy and all these things in their heart. So because they're not getting answers and they're not getting close to God, they go over there and build their own God. They go over there and try and sit because they can't access God's real powers because they're not following his ways. They go and dip that dibble and dabble into witchcraft, witchcraft powers, dark powers. Okay. So a lot of times people go and if, if they don't seek, remember God loves to play hide and seek. So if we don't, if we seek him, we'll find him, but he loves to hide because when we seek him, it shows him how much we want him. Like, oh, you, okay, so you're trying to find me on the level that you found me two years ago. Now you're going to have to come up higher now, Faiza. You're going to have to fast more. You're going to have to consecrate more. I'm calling you up higher. So if you want to find me now, you got to come up higher to where I am now because where you sought me last and where you found me last, I'm not at that same place anymore. So, if you've had that relationship with God where maybe you feel like you're in a dry place or you're in a drought right now. And like I said, Holy Spirit is over this room. So whenever he has me say things like this that may seemingly has nothing to do with the lesson, somebody needs to hear it, whether it's on the live or the replay. So if you feel like you're in that drought right now where the things that you used to do to get close to God, like you could just bust out and start singing a worship song. And it's like, you just get goosebumps because you just... Uh, felt or discern, getting away from the word feeling, but you discern Holy Spirit, you discern God's presence just creep up on you while you were singing. Well, that don't work no more. The reason it's not working no more is because God is calling you up higher. So if you found yourself in that dry place, that spiritual dry place, that spiritual drought, it's because God is calling you up higher. So you're going to have to sacrifice more. You're going to have to give up more. Maybe he's calling you to be away from certain people and those people are, because you're you're refusing to let go of those people, you're staying in this drought. So if you're in that drought, I challenge you to just really get quiet before the Lord and listen to him to see what is he requiring of you. What is it gonna require for you to come up to that next level where he's calling you to, where he can be found of you, all right? So you may have to go on a fast, you may have to, you know, consecrate, lock yourself in, shut yourself in for a few days so you can get out of that drought. He's calling you to a new place. But yeah, like I was saying, like scripture was saying, God, God, he, he wants us to seek him and find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, all means all. So that means you can't have seek him. You can't be holding bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. And then still thinking that you're going to seek him. You can't be holding on to idolatrous things or things that he hates or be doing things that he hates 
and think that you're seeking him, it says do it with all of your heart, with all of your mind, your will, your emotions. That's your soul. Verse 30, when thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. So again, although God is jealous, he's saying over and over, all he wants is for you to repent and come back to him. So it doesn't matter how much you've made him jealous. It doesn't matter what you made him jealous with. The moment you repent and come back to him, oh, he's happy. He's, he's happy, he's, he's fine, he's happy you came back to him, and it's as if it never happened. All he wants is for you to come back to him, serve him only, let him be the only God you worship, the only God you seek, the only God you pledge to, the only God you make an allegiance or a vow to. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. His name is Jealous, but he's that jealous for you. As soon as you come back, He's full of mercy. He forgets everything that you did that made him jealous. It's just wiped away with the blood of Jesus. All right. So verse 32. For ask now of the days that are at for ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from the one side of heaven unto the other, whether there have been any such thing as this great thing, or have been heard like it did ever people hear the voice of god speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou hast heard and live it's like do you know the privilege that you have had where you're actually in a relationship with the god of the whole universe the god of the whole universe like you have that relationship with him how dare you make him jealous do you know how many people will want to hear all these people out here seeking false gods and you got the real God who's jealous for you. It's like, how dare you? Verse 34, or have God a say to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs and by wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. So why did God do all those things? Again, to show them and to show you in your own, whatever Egypt he's brought you out of, to show you that he is God. He is Lord. No one else beside him. No other God beside him. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice that he might instruct thee. And upon earth he showed thee his great fire, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt, whatever your Egypt is, to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in, to give thee their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. There is no other God. 
Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee, not only with thee, but also with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. So basically Moses is telling them, by making Yahweh Kana, or making Yahweh Elohim, or Yahweh, the true God, by making him the only God that you serve, and you keep his statutes, you keep his commandments, it's going to go well with you, but not only for you, but also for your children. But the opposite of, the opposite of that also works. So if you choose to make God jealous, and you choose to go a-whoring, as the Bible says, after other gods, and allow, aligning yourself with false gods and idols and all these things that make God jealous, not only is it going to bring a curse upon you, but it also brings a curse upon your children. And I'm going to read that scripture. I think I put it down. And if I didn't, it's in Deuteronomy. I believe it's chapter 28 or maybe 32, where it talks about how God, when we choose other gods, Yahweh will step back and allow those false gods that a person chose, he'll let those false gods be responsible for protecting you. That's why you have a lot of premature deaths, a lot of people stricken with cancer and disease and sickness, and you got parents burying their children. All of these things, because a lot of these people have chosen to be in idolatry, whether ignorantly or knowingly. But again, even if it's ignorantly, it does not exempt them from the consequences of a breach contract. So if they breach that contract and serve false gods, then it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt their children. And hey, it's going to stay that way until somebody repents for that idolatrous altar and comes back to the one true God. So it's called generational curses. When it, if, if anybody serves a false God, it brings generational curses upon that bloodline until that false God is renounced from being over that bloodline. All right. And Holy Spirit, thank you for helping. Thank you for strengthening my voice on tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you. All right. Deuteronomy chapter five, verses six through 10. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. Again, this is Yahweh Kana speaking, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. That's his name. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So there it is again. Do not ally yourself with the false God because God who is a jealous God will visit that iniquity. And just so you know, the when it says iniquity, there are levels to sin. There is sin, there are trespasses, there are transgressions, and there is iniquity. Sin is just sin. It's just we go out there, we sin, we fall short, we do things that God didn't want us to do. That's sin. That's level one sin. Trespasses is when we cross over. It's sin, but it's sin on a different level. We cross over, we trespass over into territory or something that God forbid, you know, we shouldn't have done. So that's trespasses. 
transgression is when we know something is wrong and even though we know that it's wrong we do it anyway because it's kind of like we we have that saying god gives us free will so it's like i can do it because i want to even if god don't want me to that's a transgression so that's another level because you knew it was wrong you knew god hated it but because god gives you free will you chose to do it anyway and then there's iniquity iniquity is basically the guilt iniquity is what you're guilty of it's the punishment right so what god is saying is when you make me jealous I'm going to visit your punishment and your guilt, the guilt of the fathers. It's like it's making the children guilty as well. All right. But thank God for Jesus. It says he was bruised for our iniquity. So he was bruised for our guilt. So whatever we're guilty of, we can come back under the blood of Jesus and it wipes away that guilt as if it never existed. But the key word is repent. We have to repent. Repent. It doesn't mean just ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is when you just keep asking for forgiveness, but you keep falling back down. And so you're not progressing in the kingdom of God because you're you're basically stunted growth. You're stagnant. You're remaining a babe in Christ because you keep stumbling and falling and asking for forgiveness and you're not growing up, all right? So that's what forgiveness is. But when you repent, that's when you grow in God. That's when you mature in God. That's when God can trust you with his power, with his things, because now you're not just stumbling and falling like a baby you're actually growing up in God and changing your ways so repent means to turn and go the opposite direction I'm not going to keep doing this thing anymore God I'm stopping doing it and it's not that you're stopping yourself from doing it it's Holy Spirit in you is helping you to stop doing it but you have to submit to his Holy Spirit in order to stop doing it all right so repentance is key you have to repent you have to turn and change your ways and not do those things again that's what repentance is all right so let's go on to deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 19 um it says here israel the lord is our god the lord is one and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart not some of your heart but with all your heart and with all your soul or your mind your will your emotions and with all your strength these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart and you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Like you have the, it has to stay on your mind, stay on your brain, stay in your heart, stay in your mind, stay in your spirit all the day long. I'll actually have, I have so many chuckles with God just talking back and forth. <laughs> but um, I was just thinking about how I used to, you know, like you can have a dating relationship and you can have a committed relationship. Then you have relationships where you're actually in love with somebody and you know you're in love with them because you think about them all the time. You go to sleep thinking about them. You, the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning. But I actually had a little chuckle with God because I remembered the days where I wasn't in love with him. And I was actually being a hypocrite and lukewarm. And now I was like, God, I can honestly say I'm in love with you because I think about you all day long. Like you're always on my mind every second of every single day. I go to sleep thinking about you. I dream about you. I wake up in the morning. You're the first person I'm talking to. You're the first thing on my mind. I don't want to do anything without you. I don't want to go nowhere without you. <laughs> so it's like, keep God on your mind that way. 
you know, keep him there. Keep him at the forefront of your mind. Keep him on your heart. Keep him there. Not just you, but teach that to your children as well. It says, you shall also tie them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall also write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So basically, all of the words. Post those scriptures in your car. Post them on your mirrors. You know, do whatever you got to do to keep God's word in front of you so you can stay in constant reminder of his word so that you won't do things that make him jealous. Again, his name is Yahweh Kana. We don't want, we don't want, we don't want to meet Yahweh Kana. We don't want to meet that jealous God. We don't, we don't want to experience what happens when he gets jealous for us. So verse nine, you shall also write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and carved cisterns which you did not carve out, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and ye eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So do not forget the God that has brought, since you were in your mother's womb, that God that has brought you through everything he's brought you through, things that the devil threw at you to try to take you out of this world, but God blocked it. God stopped it. Block things that you don't even know he blocked. Thank God for the things that we know he blocked, but some just think about the things that he kept you from that you don't even know he kept you from. Goodness, wow. Just think about that. It's saying, do not forget him. Do not forget him. Do not put any other false God above him. Don't even bring those idolatrous things in his presence. It says, you shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods. Any of the gods of the peoples who surround you, I don't care who they are, what they're doing, what they're trying to introduce you to, all this new age stuff, it's a whole list of things. Do not follow other gods. If it's anything out there, and just so you can see or help you to discern what's involving other gods and what's involving like the one true God. If it's anything out there that they're doing or they're practicing and they're depending on the power of something else to do what only God should be doing or Holy Spirit should be doing, that's putting a false God over the place of God. And that's and idolatry as well and witchcraft. So that's turning to other dark powers instead of turning to the one true God to get your thing. Even, I'm going to say this, I've said it before, even when it comes to medicine, and I'm not telling you all not to take your medicine, but even with medicine, that is a spirit of pharmacaea. That's the spirit of pharmacaea. Spirit of pharmacaea is basically the spirit of witchcraft. A lot of people, they take the medicine thinking that it's going to heal them. Well, that should tell you something right there that is witchcraft because 
How is medicine going to heal you when God is supposed to be the one who heals me? The Bible says by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, not by medicine I'm healed. So a lot of times what happens with the medicine is it comes in and it masks or covers up a, one of the symptoms that you're having to make it seem like you're healed, but you're not really healed. You're just managing the symptoms. But not only that, but now it's causing all these other problems. So it's like you receive the spirit of pharmacia, but now you got all these other spirits. And that's why you see commercials where it says you can take this medicine for high blood blood pressure but it may cause seizures it may cause premature deaths may cause blindness may cause um weight gain may cause all these things so it's like pick one you can take this but if you take this you get these other spirits as well okay so medicine that's witchcraft i mean hey it is what it is so anyway seek god on that keep taking your medicine and um yeah we have to do what we have to do to not even be on the medicine, which means we have to take accountability over our bodies. Eat right. Stop eating things that's going to make us sick. Stop drinking things that's going to make us sick. And then pray to God heals us. He's powerful enough to, to fix anything that we've done to mess up these bodies that we're in. But when he heals you, he wants you to keep that healing. So if you're on medicine right now, keep doing whatever God has led you to do. However, ask Jesus to heal you by his stripes. The Bible says you are healed. And then ask Holy Spirit to help you do those things to maintain and keep that healing so you don't have to keep taking that medicine to manage symptoms. All right? So I have to put that out there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Say, look, say whatever you want to say, Holy Spirit. I am yielded to you on tonight. <laughs> I'm yielded to you on tonight in the name of Jesus. All right. So verse 14, you shall not follow any other gods. Oh, okay. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You shall not follow other gods. Any of the gods are the people who surround you. For the Lord your God who is in the midst of you is a jealous God. So follow him or else the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. As you tested him at Massa, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his provisions and his statutes, which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord so that it may go well for you and that you may go in and take possession of the land, the good land, which the Lord swore to give to your fathers by driving out all your enemies from you as the Lord has spoken. So God is saying, I am jealous. Don't test me. You don't test God. And it's a lot of people right now that's testing God, especially with these Greek organizations. I mean, you can post on social media about it and people are so quick to jump in and give their opinions about how they don't feel that it's wrong and what the God is saying, I'm jealous, don't test me. And not just for Greek organizations and all those things, any idolatry, but also with relationships, with relationships or things that you're connected to or people that you're connected to, God is saying, I am jealous, don't test me if you want to lose it put it before god if you want to lose them put them before god i'm a living witness i have lost things and i have lost people because i made idols of those people in those things 
I put them before God. And when you do that, God is not going to let them be over him. He's going to remove those individuals out of your life or he's going to remove those things out of your life, especially when he's invested a whole lot in you and you got that call on your life and you done already started your process and you done already started in that fire. God is not going to let all that invested time go to waste. It's like, no, you, 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 you don't put your hand to the plow and now you want to look back. Now you want to put them before me? Okay, I'm going to move them out of my way so that you can do my will. So you do not put anybody. You don't put nobody before God. I don't care if it's your children. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care if it's your church. I don't care if it's your mother, your daddy, whoever. You don't put yourself. You don't put no, your job. You don't put nothing before God. If you do, you've made it an idol and if you want that's a quick that's an easy way to lose it all right so moving on um deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 15 through 47 and it says um but jeshurun became fat and kicked this is what i was telling you a few minutes ago when i was saying how um a lot of the premature deaths and the sicknesses that we see in the body of christ especially a lot of it is because people have chosen to align themselves with the false god instead of the one true god but this is a scripture that i was telling you where it says god when we do that i'm not saying we because i'm not claiming that i don't have no other fault i don't have no false gods but for those who do choose those false gods yahweh says i'll step back and let those gods protect you so here's that scripture it's deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 15 through 47 and it says but jeshurun became fat and why am i telling you all this i'm telling you all this because you need to know that god is jealous and you need to know what happens when we make him jealous so it's a very serious matter there are very serious consequences when we choose to make god jealous so again he's saying i'm jealous don't test me don't test me so deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 15 through 47 it says but jeshurun became fat and kicked you have become fat thick and obstinate then he abandoned god who made him and rejected the rock of his salvation they made him jealous with strange God. And this is Moses, by the way, talking to the children of Israel. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons. Any strange gods, any false gods, all it is is a demon. It ain't nothing but the devil camouflaged as something else, but it's all a demon. It's all Satan himself. They sacrificed to demons who were not God to gods whom they have not known new gods who came lately remember i was telling you about all the new age stuff that they're doing right now all the uh, chakra and witchcraft and sage and crystals and charms and amulets and feng shui and yoga and all this other stuff new gods that 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 new god astrology horoscopes all this stuff new gods new gods who came lately whom your fathers did not know you forgot the rock who fathered you which is god and forgot the god who gave you birth the lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation by his sons and daughters then he said i will this is the consequences this is the results of when we choose to go with the false god this is what yahweh does then he said i will hide my face from them 
I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. So in other words, they're infidels. They're, they don't know how to be faithful. Infidelity, adulterers, harlots, committing fornication and adultery against God, okay? All right, verse 21, they have made me jealous with what is not God. Remember I told you, God don't care that it's a false God. He knows it's a false God. He's saying right there, they've made me jealous with what is not God. They're not even a God. They've provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with the foolish nation for a fire has flared in my anger and it burns to the lowest part of Sheol, which is hell. And it burns to the lowest part of hell and devours the earth with its yield and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. Here's the consequences. I will add misfortunes to them. This is God speaking. This is Yahweh Elohim speaking. I will add misfortunes to them. I will use up my arrows on them. So they being shot with arrows, stuff happening, they bleeding, they getting hurt in life. It ain't the devil that's doing it. God is saying, I will use up my arrows on them. They will be wasted by famine and emaciated by plague and a bitter epidemic. Sound familiar? And the teeth of beasts I will send against them with the venom of crawling things of the dust outside the sword will make them outside the sword will make them childless there's barrenness there are miscarriages it's a whole lot of things and inside terror both young men and virgin the nursing child and with the man of gray hair so it don't matter how old you are if you make god jealous there are consequences and repercussions remember up, up to the third and fourth generation of them to hate him. So even if it's a baby, God does not discriminate. When he says it's consequences and repercussions, it's consequences and repercussions. Unless you repent and come back to him. So the nursing child with the man of gray hair, I would have said, I will wipe them out. I will remove the mention of their name from humanity. Had I not feared the provocation by the enemy, that their adversaries would misjudge, they that they would say our hand is triumph. So it's basically saying the only reason I didn't do some things is because then the enemy would think that they were the one who won over you instead of it being the hand of the Lord that did all these things. Verse 28, for they are a nation destitute of counsel. There's no understanding in them. If only they were wise and they understood this, if only they would discern their future. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this for their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of vipers. Is it not stored up with me, sealed up in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. 
So it's saying, okay, it's gonna it's gonna happen. Like disaster is near, and the impending things are hurrying to them. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free, and he will say, Where are their gods? The rock in which they took refuge, those who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering, let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. So God is saying, if you choose to align yourself with the false god, because I'm so jealous, I'm going to step back, let you have what you want, let them be responsible for protecting you and your children, let them rise up and help you, let them be your protection. That's basically what he's saying right there. So there are consequences when we make God jealous. Going on, see now that I am he and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded and it is I who heal. So that's him saying. All these things is happening that's, be, that's causing wounds. If a person is allied with a false god, it ain't always the devil that's doing it. God says, I have wounded and it is I who heal. But the only way he gonna heal is if you repent and come back to him and stop making him jealous. And there is no one who can save anyone from my hand. Indeed, I raise my hand to heaven and say as I live forever, if I have sharpened my flashing sword and my hand has taken hold of justice, I will return vengeance on my adversaries and I will repay those who hate me. When you make God jealous, you become an adversary of God. I will make my arrows drunk with blood. Whose blood? The blood of those who have made him jealous. All right, the blood of those who have chosen false gods and idols. And my sword will devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. His servants are the prophets. So those like me who are coming and warning and telling people and saying, hey, turn from your idols. And they're laughing and making fun and calling me names and saying all these things that they think bother me, but it really don't. <laughs> it really don't. But anyway, God is saying, I will avenge the blood of my servants. So those of you who are prophetic or those of you who God has given you this charge to go out and tell people about their idolatry and their idols and they're attacking you with their words and stuff, don't worry because God is going to avenge you. In the end, look, heaven and earth is recording a, as a witness against every person that rejects your words. So your job, your assignment is to tell them what God said and then, hey, lift up your hands to heaven and that's it. Pray for them. Pray that they receive what you said and that they won't be deceived by the spirit of deception. But that's your assignment. All you do is tell them what God said and let Holy Spirit do the rest. God is the avenger. God is the avenger. So it says, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will return vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Then Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He with Joshua, the son of Nun. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today warning them not to make God jealous. 
which you will command your sons to follow carefully. So tell your sons, tell your children also, don't make God jealous. Tell them all the words that I'm telling you, all the words of this book, all the words of this law. Not only you take it to heart, but train your children, teach your children, for it is not a trivial matter for you. It's like, this is a serious matter. Indeed, it is your life. This is about life and death. If you make God jealous, if you don't take his words to heart, and if you don't do what he's telling you to do, this is a matter of life and death. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word, you will prolong your days in the land, which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. For them, it's talking about Jordan. For us, it's talking about earth, just land, period, wherever you are right now. If you want to prolong, prolong your days in the earth, you have to not have any idols in your life. You cannot be serving and worshiping strange gods. You cannot be making God jealous. You cannot be out here doing whatever you want to do. You have to check in with God like that jealous lover. I don't care what it is that you're thinking about doing. Talk with God first. Be like, God, I don't want to make you jealous. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about me talking to this person, God? How do you feel about me going to this event, Father? How do you feel about me watching this on TV? Is this going to make you jealous? Is it going to grieve your spirit? How do you feel about me doing this? How do you feel about me being in this relationship? Everything, everything, you take it before God. You want to make sure that you're not doing or saying anything that's going to make him jealous. Joshua 24, verses 14 through 20. It says, now, therefore... Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and do away with the gods which your fathers served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the children of Israel, they're being told right there, you need to choose. Are you going to serve these false gods that were passed down in the bloodline by your family members, your parents, even those legacy members of sororities, fraternities, Freemasonry, your mama, your daddy was in these organizations, and now you're serving those same false gods? because you're in those organizations or whatever their idolatry was is saying you need to choose are you going to serve those gods or are you going to serve the one true god and remember if you serve those other gods then yahweh kana is going to reveal himself in your life as that jealous god and the consequences are not good we've established that with scripture all right but as for me and my house, and this is a scripture that I live on, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16, the people answered and said, far be it from us that we would abandon the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of slaves and did these great signs in our sight and watched over us through all the way in which we went and among all the people through whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord for he is our God. 
Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your wrongdoing or your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will turn. If you abandon God and serve foreign gods, then Yahweh will turn and do you harm and destroy you after he has done good to you. So God can be blessing you and blessing you all your life. And all of a sudden you turn and uh, start serving an idol or a false God, that very same God who's been good to you will also destroy you from the face of this earth. It reminds me of of a parent when when they tell their children, when the children is like being sassy or whatever, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Well, that's God. He's a jealous God. He brought you into this world and he made you. But if you make him jealous, he can also turn around and take you out at the blink of an eye. And the crazy thing is that the children of Israel, they're sitting here telling Joshua, yes, this is the Lord our God. Yes, he brought us up up, out of Egypt and he did all these great signs for us. And yes, we'll serve him. But if you go back and you read the Old Testament, even though they said that, you already know. Even though they said they was going to serve him, they didn't. They kept messing up. They kept making God jealous. They kept provoking him to jealousy. So it wasn't that they didn't know that these things made him jealous. They didn't care. They didn't care. They knew God's word. They knew God's ways because Moses and Joshua had drilled it into their brains and given them the Ten Commandments, but they were a rebellious, stiff-necked people. They wanted to do what they wanted to do because they thought it was the right thing to do. They thought it was their free will to do whatever they wanted to do. So they knew it. But actions speak louder than words. So all those words that they just said back to Joshua saying, yeah, okay, the Lord, yes, he's going to be our God. Actions speak louder than words. They That wasn't in their heart. It was just words. All right, moving on, though, to Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. And it says, it, it came about in the sixth year, on the fifth day of the sixth month, as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell on me there. Then I looked, and behold, a likeness as the appearance of a man, From his loins and downward, there was the appearance of fire. And from his loins and upward, the appearance of brightness, like the appearance of glowing metal. He stretched out the form of a hand and caught me by a lock of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy, was located. And behold, the the glory of the God of Israel was there, like the appearance which I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes now toward the north. So I raised my eyes toward the north. And behold, to the north of the altar gate was this idol of jealousy at the entrance. And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? 
the great abominations which the house of Israel are committing here. So even though this is talking about the house of Israel and he's speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, these same things are happening in the church today. And judgment starts at the house of God. Before it starts in the world, it starts in the house of God. And right now, God is judging his house, which is why I'm reading the scripture. It said, and he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations which the house of Israel or the church are committing here so that I would be far from my sanctuary. But you will see, you will see still greater abominations. Then he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall, he said to me, son of man, now dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall and behold an entrance. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations that they are committing here. Look at what they're doing in the church. So I entered and looked and behold, every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable things with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the wall all around. Standing in front of them were 70 elders of the house of Israel with Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan standing among them each man with his censer in his hand and the fragrance of the cloud of incense rising. Then he said to me, son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? All these ministers, ministry leaders, pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, bishops. Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? Each man in the room of his carved images for they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, yet you will see still greater abominations which they are committing. Then he brought me to the entrance of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tamaz. Tamaz is a false deity. It's a false God. I believe it's a Phoenician God. But the women were sitting in the house of God, <laughs> weeping for a false God. He said to me, do you see this son of man? Yet you will see still greater abominations than these. Then he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the entrance to the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. He said to me, do you see this son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they have committed here? That they have filled the land with violence and provoked me repeatedly? For behold, they are putting the twig to their nose. Therefore, I will indeed deal in my wrath. My eye will not have pity nor will I spare and though they cry in my ears with a loud voice yet I will not listen to them so all these provocations and serving idols and false gods in the church God is saying I'm gonna deal with it I'm gonna deal with it in my wrath because I'm a jealous God and my eye will not have pity nor will I spare and you can cry all you want to your cry, your tears does not move God. What moves God is repentance. So if you want change and you want God's wrath to be removed 
from your life if you're in idolatry and worshiping strange gods the only way for that to happen the only way that god is going to listen to you and start hearing your prayers and being one with you again is when you repent and turn from your idols turn from your strange gods turn from worshiping those false gods turn from being connected with people who worship those false gods and strange gods again the bible says don't be in covenant with them do not ally yourself with them do not associate with them that's the bible and if you do then you got a jealous god on your hands and you have to deal with the consequences and i'm almost done Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 14 through 18. Again, if you're on the live stream, since I'm almost done, um, at the end, there is time for question and answers. So if you want to ask questions or give feedback about anything that you're hearing on tonight, you will not be able to interact through live stream on my website. You would actually have to go ahead and install the Podbean app and come on into the room on the Podbean app. So that way, once I'm done teaching, if you have questions, I can quickly bring you up to the stage um, because we are going to be doing communion on tonight as well. <clears throat> All right, so Zephaniah chapter one, verses 14 through 18. It says, near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it, the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. This is what happens when you make God jealous with idols. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them. On the day of the Lord's wrath, and all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. And again, the only way around that is to repent. You can't just ask for forgiveness for idolatry. Idolatry is that one sin where forgiveness alone ain't gonna work. Cause if you, you can't say, God, forgive me, and then turn back and go to your false gods or your idols. With idolatry, repentance is what's needed. You can't keep falling down and worshiping a false god. You have to ask God for forgiveness and repent so you don't go back to that false god or that idol. If you go back, again, you got a jealous. Yahweh Kana on your hands and you're dealing with the consequences of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 23 and then I got one more scripture a prophetic word and then we're open for Q&A. Alright. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 1 through 23 said and this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. It says for I do not want you to be unaware brethren that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased 
for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. So Paul is basically telling them a lot of the things happened to the children of Israel and it was recorded um, all as an example for us so that we wouldn't fall into the same idolatrous things that the children of Israel fell into. So it was written as an example so we would know the things not to do. Verse 7. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. That's Yahweh Kana at work right there. They made him jealous. 23,000 people died in one day because they made him jealous. Verse 9 nor let us try the Lord. Remember, God said, don't test me. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. That's a very powerful verse right there because again, like remember we had the four mites in the beginning where we're saying what might happen if you come into contact and align yourself with individuals or do certain things. Sometimes people think they're stronger than what they are. So Paul is saying, let if you, look, take heed to these words because I know you think you're strong, but you're not as strong as you think you are. If the Bible says they're gonna seduce you into following their strange gods, God knows more than you know. So I don't care how strong you think your flesh is. If the Bible says, do not serve them, do not serve their strange gods, do not worship strange gods, nor be in covenant with anybody who does, God is telling you that for a reason because he knows that you're not going to affect them. They're going to infect you and it's going to make him jealous. So verse 12, it says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed to these warnings basically unless you fall no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it therefore my beloved flee from idolatry I speak as to wise men you judge what I say it's not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ. It's not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ. Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? that a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that the things with the Gentile sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So it's basically pick a side. Are you going to be connected with those who are sacrificing to demons 
feeding their demons, not worshiping Yahweh? Are you going to be connected with them? Or are you going to stay over here on God's side? Are you going to hang out with them and be with them? Drink from the cup that they're trying to put in your hand? Do the things that they're trying to get you to do? Or are you going to come over here and live this holy life that God is calling you to do? Since you cannot drink from both cups, you have to pick a side. The Lord's side or the devil's side. Verse 22. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. So basically, even though you can do those things, you can worship strange gods, you can be in idolatry, you can be in all these secret societies and Greek organizations and things, you can do that. It's lawful for you to do that because God gives you free will. But it says, even though it's lawful for you to do it, it's not going to be profitable to you to do that. So free will is not free. God allows you to choose what God you're going to serve, whether it's going to be him or a false God or an idol. He lets you choose if you're going to be connected with those who are in idolatry because you have the free will. But if you pick the wrong thing, and you pick something that God wouldn't want you to pick, then there are consequences for that. So it will not be profitable for you to make God jealous. James 4, verse 4 through 10, and then we're done. It says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? You can't be friends with God and friends with the world at the same time. The world hates everything that God loves and it's just, it just don't work. It's never gonna work. The world will never, never be acceptable to the things of God, nor those who are um, trying to walk with God. So it says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, by default, ain't even you trying to do it. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So if you want to be a friend to the world, you want to be popular with the world, you want to be popular on Instagram, you want to be popular on social media, you want to be popular in your sororities, your fraternities, whatever, Freemasonry, Eastern Star, you're by default making yourself an enemy of God. Verse five, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded double-minded you can't be jump can't be on both sides of the fence purify your hearts either you on god's side or you on the devil's side there is no middle ground be miserable and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the presence of the lord and he will exalt you so in other words repent if you've done anything to make god jealous 
all God wants. God is a gracious God. He sent Jesus to die for our sins. So God is a gracious God, even though we make him jealous or may have made him jealous. All he wants is for us to repent, accept his grace, and then for us to humble ourselves in his presence. And then he will exalt us back into that place of dominion that he created us to be at in the first place. But you cannot make him jealous. I'm going to read this prophetic word that actually was released a few months ago, but I'm led to read it because it kind of goes in with the lesson that we're speaking on tonight about Yahweh Kana being a jealous God. But this was a few months ago and it says, the day of my vengeance is now. Remember, God is starting judgment at the house of God. It's a lot of idolatry and strange gods being flaunted in the house of God. It says, the day of my vengeance is now. How long I have waited for the hearts of my people, whom I have called by my name, to return back to me. Like a jealous lover peering through the lattice, I have watched and seen all of the adulteries committed against me. I have watched and seen all of your abominable acts. I have watched and seen all of the strange gods you have chosen to serve and lured your children into serving. I have watched and seen it, says the Lord. Because of my love for you, I have withheld my wrath, but now my wrath shall speak. Now my wrath shall speak. The blood of my son has been making intercession for you. The blood of my son has been standing in the gap between you and my wrath. I have sent my servants, the prophets, to warn you. Yet you turn a deaf ear to my words I've spoken through them. In doing so, you have trampled the blood of my son under your feet. You have trampled it under your feet. So it no longer stands between my anger and your life. I shall send my arrows upon you and upon your children. Yes, I shall make my arrows drunk with the blood of those who have trampled upon the blood of my son. The only thing that can save you is repentance. The only thing that can save you is if you turn your hearts back to me, but that is the only thing that will quench the jealous fire I have kindled against you and your children. I have seen the pastors and false prophets crying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Woe unto those pastors and false prophets, for the blood that my arrows drink shall be required of you. Woe unto those who don't fear me. Woe unto those who have tried to mold me into a strange God. Woe unto you. Am I not your maker? Am I not the one who created you, yet you think you can create me? Before creation existed, I am, and I will now restore my fear in the hearts of those I have chosen to be called by my name. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Amen. So that's all God wants. He wants repentance. He wanted to let you know on tonight or the replay, however, whenever you're listening to this, he wants you to know that he's a jealous God. And he wants you to know that there is grace to repent. And for those of you who don't have any idols or strange gods set up in your life, he's giving you these words so that you can go out and share with others just how jealous God is, just how much he loves them and how he wants us to serve only him. So 
just make sure you share what you have learned with others because if we don't then their blood will be required at our hands on our hands um so that's the end of the lesson on tonight we are going to do holy communion um so but before we do i want to open up the floor so if anyone has any questions feel free to just put it in the chat and i'll bring it up to the stage um i'll give you about 60 seconds and if no questions then we'll go ahead and jump into the holy communion on tonight those of you who are on the live live streaming from my website or if you're on the um the podbean app if you don't have any questions go ahead and um, be getting you some bread or crackers on tonight um get you some grape juice if you or if you don't have grape juice just get you some juice or some water we're gonna bless it but i really um feel that the lord wants us to go ahead and partake of the communion on tonight um we don't do that enough we need to do it more um so i'm gonna give you about 30 more seconds Blessings to everyone in the room. All right, so I'm assuming that there are no questions on tonight. So I'm going to give you about 60 more seconds <clears throat> to go ahead and get your items together, whether it's bread, crackers, juice, or water. Go ahead and get that. I'll give you about 60 seconds. Then we're going to go, go ahead and partake of communion, and we're going to close with prayer on tonight. shall be found guilty 
of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So that being said, before we partake of communion on tonight, I just want you to take 60 seconds and just get before God, stand in the presence of God right now, ask forgiveness for any of your sins that you've committed. If there's offense or unforgiveness that you're holding towards anyone in your heart, you want to go ahead and release that person right now because you cannot take this communion while you're holding offense and resentment in your heart against somebody else. It doesn't work that way. So I pray the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to let that person go. Let that bitterness go right now. Let that unforgiveness go right now. Let any trespass go right now that anyone has committed against you in any way. Whether they're dead or alive, just let it go. Just put it on God's altar right now. And just stand in, his, stand in God's presence right now. Just asking forgiveness for all of your sins. Under the blood of Jesus, he wipes it away just as if it never happened. So I'm going to give you about 30 more seconds. If there's anybody that you need to release or forgive, go ahead and release them on tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping them to let it go. Together again inside of us, 
we put you back together again inside of us. And as we do this, Lord Jesus, we ask you to just stand up in us, Lord Jesus. Stand up in us and walk this earth in us. From the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, this body belongs to you. So we put you back together inside of this body, your temple. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the scripture says that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given it, given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So I want you to take your bread, your cracker, whatever you have right now. Let's partake of it in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. Take and eat it now in Jesus' name. Thank you for Holy Spirit that is in us right now. 